It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Your team every day. That's what we do here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to watch our show and to subscribe to our show over on our Locked On Panthers YouTube channel. And you can check out the podcast free and available wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Just be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss a single edition of the show. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where on Friday I'll be back once again answering your weekly Friday mailbag questions right here on the show. Either at me or DM me on Twitter, at Julian Council, to participate in this week's edition of the weekly Friday mailbag this episode of Locked On Panthers is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. On today's episode of Locked On Panthers, going to welcome in a former Panthers beat reporter and friend of the show, Jordan Rodriguez, who now covers the Los Angeles Rams for the Athletics. She used to cover the Panthers for the Observer, then the Athletic as you share the beat with Joe Person, who still is here in Charlotte covering the Panthers. But Jordan went west to... Seek her manifest destiny. Well, she's from Arizona, so it makes a lot of sense. But she moved back west to cover the Rams and a team that's been really good. A Super Bowl winning team during the 2021 season and a team that has a couple former Rams now here in Carolina. And Johnny Hecker, the punter, who's tremendous again this season. Austin Corbett, the right guard for the Carolina Panthers. But so far, looking at this offseason, there's been more additions from Los Angeles as you look at the coaching staff. Jero Averro is now here in Carolina as a defensive coordinator. Jonathan Cooley is now here working with the cornerbacks in Carolina. And then we found out on Friday that Thomas Brown is now the new offensive coordinator here in Carolina. All three of those gentlemen work together underneath Sean McVay there in Los Angeles while Jordan has been covering this team. So I figured who would be better to ask about what the Carolina Panthers are getting in a Jero Averro, what they're getting in Jonathan Cooley and what they're getting and Thomas Brown as coaches as Frank Reich is building one of the better staffs in the NFL over the last couple of weeks and we we're so excited to see what they can do the rest of the offseason and free agency the draft and they can find that quarterback and they can take control of the NFC South in 2023 and beyond so we'll ask Jordan Rodriguez about what we're getting out of these coaches here in Carolina and if the Panthers are turning into Rams East so all that coming up here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. But as we inch closer to March, y'all, we got to continue to stay healthy and reach all of our goals this year. And if you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, and I got to tell you about Built Bar, they are so freaking good. And what makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate in every single bar. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, 
peanut butter brownie and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they're healthy for you. 130 calories, four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein in each bar. And now you don't have to wait around and get a box. For years, we've been telling you about waiting to get your Built bars, but go to Built.com. You can still do that, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in. Of course, if you remember also, and grab a 13-bar box of their hit flavors, brownie batter and churro, you can thank me later. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, back here on Locked On Panthers. And as promised, she has returned to the Panthers beat, at least for about 20 minutes this afternoon. Jordan <laughs> Rodriguez of The Athletic now covers the Los Angeles Rams out there in sunny L.A. at Jordan Rodriguez on Twitter. But y'all probably already know that after her time here in Carolina. So I'll cover the Panthers for The Observer and The Athletic. Jordan. Good to see you. Welcome back. Hi, it is so good to see you. I've been so um, trying not to overstep because obviously Joe Person does such a great job covering the team and you do such a great job with what you do. So I try not to insert my opinions or anything or my excitement about like being sort of reconnected via some of these staffing changes to Carolina. But it has been like such a joy over these last few weeks to just see people say, hey, Jordan, or like to kind of go back and forth with the dialogue and, and to reconnect with people and We've stayed connected, but it's just really great to see you. And um, I'm a big fan of your work on this show, for sure. Well, I'm a big fan of your work as well. And I miss you being on the beat. But so happy that you cover the Rams now and that we have plenty to talk to about the Panthers and Rams connection. But before we get to that, what I heard there is how much you miss being here in Charlotte. So please quickly tell me <laughs> what you miss most about the wonderful Queen City of Charlotte, North Carolina. It is a great city. I really, really liked living there. And I'm a West Coaster. And so my heart is obviously in California and on the West Coast. Um, but I really liked living in Charlotte. I just thought it was such a cool city. And, and especially once you get into the local flavor, like the restaurants and the breweries, especially the breweries. You know, I love yeah. the breweries. <laughs> and, yeah. Who doesn't? and the food scene and the arts and music is exploding. And like, it just was a really, really great place to live. I'm so grateful for the time that I had there. I did have FOMO. I was helping some people, a couple of the, uh, the coaches, just sort of sending them recommendations, things like that. And I was kind of like walking down memory lane on some of the places, some of the restaurants and some of the, the places where, you know, people hang out. And, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I kind of can I visit like, can I go back? <laughs> so yeah. I'm hoping they're on the schedule here in the next couple of years, because that would be a really fun trip. Definitely yeah, miss the breweries. If, if breweries are listening to this, no, da wooden robot, send beer. OK, <laughs> it's. <laughs> 
Wow. Yeah. See, I, I never think about that, how you can't like get that stuff delivered out there, which has to be kind of tough. Like, I mean, note is still great. <laughs> Always going to love wooden robot. And you know, it's funny cause you say that and we'll get to, I know people are like, Hey, get to the football. We'll get there soon. People calm down. Um, <laughs> but I, I think about that when you give people recommendations, like of cities that you used to, used to live in, like right now, speaking of breweries, I'm wearing a Southern grist t-shirt, my favorite brewery in Nashville, Tennessee. And I always think about when people would ask me like, Hey, I'm about to go to Nashville for the weekend. Like, what are your recommendations? Yada, yada, yada. Now remembering one of my buddies asked me that and I never responded to him. So I need to do that. Um, <laughs> but I feel the same way, like the FOMO of, Hey, I used to go to live there and all the great places. And now you get to like, enjoy them with the coaches. Hey, you're coming to Carolina. So we miss you. I know you got to be back here. Of course, Panthers and Rams played this past season, but in LA and eventually what probably in three years, they'll be back here playing in Charlotte with the whole NFL's rotational schedule and all that. So we'll see you in three years. Yeah. maybe Unless you're Panthers... on the bigger and better things. <laughs> well, maybe the Panthers will have won the big one by then. I mean, a coaching staff like this, you got to be pretty excited. I think what's the vibe like Julian out there right now in terms of the staff and, and sort of some optimism for the first time in a while, right? Yeah. Well, the thing is you leave Charlotte, you miss the breweries, but I'm sure you don't miss all the losing that we've had to endure here <laughs> in Carolina where you actually got to cover a Super Bowl team. But I think a lot of people are excited about this staff and I know there's certainly there's opinions on Steve Wilkes not getting the job, and I certainly felt like he deserved it, but I have no issues at all with Frank Reich having the job here in Carolina. I think he certainly is deserving. He proved in Indianapolis that he can adapt having five different starting quarterbacks in a five different season openers <laughs> and yet still having a winning record. So him being here, I mean, David Tepper looking like he's kind of taking a step back, but is financing this project here in Carolina, allowing Frank Reich the autonomy to go out there and get some of these high-profile coaches, and then being able to convince coaches like Jim Caldwell, who interviewed for the job, to be here in Carolina because he has so much respect for Frank Reich. And then Jero Vera, who we're going to talk about here briefly in a moment, coming here to Carolina after he interviewed for the job. And I certainly felt like I don't see why he would take this job after being overlooked. It was, in a way, similar to Steve Wilkes, where he interviewed for the job, he interviewed other jobs. Like, why would he take a lesser position here on the staff? Mm -hmm. But also, not apples to apples, as Steve Wilkes was the head coach here for 12 weeks with this team and led him to a 500 record and certainly appeared to be deserving. But Averro's here now in Carolina, and I'm excited for that to happen. So, yeah, I think a lot of people are excited about the staff that they have here and Thomas Brown now signing up on a Friday to be the offensive coordinator. There's plenty of excitement here in Carolina. So let's start there because you are someone – who has spent time with Thomas Brown, who was the former running backs coach in this past season, the Titans coach and assistant head coach there with Los Angeles Rams. You spent time with Ajero uh, Averro. I always have to say that. I go every day on YouTube. There is a video of him introducing himself when he went to Denver. Ajero Ivero. I do that like all day long, <laughs> trying to get his name right because I butchered it throughout the coaching process. So you spent time with him back when he was on the defensive staff there in Los Angeles. And then Jonathan Cooley, who's coming here now to be the cornerbacks coach. You spent time with him this past season as well. So let's start off with the Jero Avero, who was the first one to join the project here in Carolina as their new defensive coordinator. Who is this guy? What are the Panthers getting out of him as a defensive coordinator? Because everything I've read is that he is a stud and is next in line to be a head coach in the National Football League. Yeah, well, good news, Julian. When you get to know him, you can call him E. So that's what everyone here. Perfect. That's what everyone here <laughs> called him is E. So, um, but yeah, Jero is, is um, first of all, really phenomenal person. I think that's a, a recurring theme too is, the blending of, of a lot of different personality types, but in what they hope and, and what looks like from afar, uh, a functional way to blend and, and collaborate personality types, not just coaching styles. And that's kind of one big identity poll that I get from the staff as it's assembled as a whole. 
So I'm curious to know uh, a little bit more about Frank Reich's process. I heard some really cool things about how he was um, reaching out to people and how he was um, just very, very collaborative during the entire process, not just calling people out of the blue or or saying, hey, show up on this day, but like very in touch with these with these candidates throughout the whole thing. So I think that's going to be cool to see a little bit more into that. But with Ajiro, brilliant guy. Um, you know, when people talk about the Fangio tree or the system that has sort of been pollinating as the as the main um, defense that's sort of popularizing across the league, in part because it is perfectly built to combat the McVay-Shanahan system and some of these explosive passing attacks that we've seen taken over the league over the last few years. It's perfectly built to counter that, and um, but it's really dependent on how you teach it. So what Brandon Staley used to tell me about, because he obviously is the one who was the architect of the system with the Rams, Fangio Disciple, but really carried the system forward in a translatable way into the NFL outside of Fangio's uh, sort of little bubble that he built for himself there in Denver. Um, you know, it, it's, you can tell when people, you can tell when it's photocopied and you can tell when it's the real thing. And Ajiro Evero runs the real thing. And I think part of that is because he is such a um, sort of tactician with the way that he calls pressures and the way that he picks his moments, the way that he empowers his defensive backs where he has a lot of background in, the way he empowers them to play free in this what's called a match zone, which means it's going to look like a a shell zone um, pre-snap, and then they can crank and rotate into matching routes post-snap, which makes the quarterback's mind explode. <laughs> and especially if they're running play action, cause his back turns around and then the defense changes and then his back turns back around and then everything looks different. So um, that, that part of it, it, it's when you entrust this system to your players, it's almost like this living thing that changes and evolves and molds. It's very multiple. It's not going to be one thing or another. It's going to be everything at once within the rules, quote unquote, of this system. And it really can be carried forward with the players. It, it, it grows to embody the players and it grows to embody the play caller. And that's something that's really beautiful about this system. And it's actually the function, you know, why Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan's system have blossomed the way that they have. That's, it's the same thing, but just on the offensive side. So what I really loved about how Ajiro really just jumped headfirst into this is he didn't force himself within tendencies and rules because they were written down in Vic Fangio's notebook. Instead, he started blending different things from different places he worked that worked in accordance with his players. So some really good DBs in Denver. So you could get really cool and and very, very uh, multiple with the types of coverages that you were running. And you could do a bunch of different looks and and really empower your players to take advantage of that. Um, And I thought that was really interesting. And that's, you know, just different things with the pressures that he's running. He's pressuring a little bit more than the system usually does. Um, and a lot, some of those sim pressures, some of those blitzes was doing that more um, because he had the guys to do it and they felt good doing it and it worked. So he's someone who's sort of fearless in that way. He's just going to jump fully in as a play caller. And I'm really excited with the players on this roster. I think that this scheme is perfect for a lot of those guys on that roster. There's a lot of smart, talented players on that roster who are aggressive and fearless when they, um, you know, flock to the ball or when they're at the point of attack. And I think that that's really important. Um, I think a guy like Jeremy Chin, you look at some of the ways that um, Ijiro in part developed Jalen Ramsey into the star, which is sort of 
like the, the floating player plays five different positions um, and does all kinds of different things um, on the, in the middle of the field and then can also move back to the outside. You can also do that with a safety. Um, the Chargers do it with Derwin James. And I, I see Jeremy Chin being a player who's capable of doing those things. Sometimes safety is called the defense. Um, I, you know, it's just really exciting to think about the potential because Ajiro is just, he, he's so, um, he's such a tactician, but he's also very personable. And I think it's really rare when coaches can blend that sort of brilliance and I'm going to give you the answers to the test with also, Hey man, I got your back and you've got mine. And that's when this defense works at its best. I'm excited for you guys to watch it in training camp, because like I said, it feels alive. It feels like it's, it's a living organism out there. Yes, No, I'm so happy field. you said that. Cause yeah. I'm listening to you describe this, like, damn, she's like describing this like this is like actually a living organism. It, like it, this and that's how it feels. And it's hard to just, it's hard to like, People look at there like, wow, you're in California, like lay off the mushrooms, girl. But it's just like <laughs> I, I sit there and I'm like, I I can't explain it any other way than that, because that's what it is. And I got to watch this thing installed for the first time in 2020. It was one of four people out there that got to watch it be installed with Brandon Staley going against Sean McFay's offense for the first time in 2020. And I mean, I'd never seen anything like it in my life. And I just thought this is a, a shattering in a positive way experience to uh, so this is going to change everything and it has and it started to and, and Jiro Evero is a pioneer of that for sure okay I love it because I was going to ask you too you, you already <laughs> mentioned Jeremy Chin's one of those players that you feel like can really fit in this defense and there's been questions coming into the scheme you know where Chin might fit is he naturally better off as a, as, a, as a linebacker like he played his rookie year during that pandemic season in 2020 or should he be back at safety and how he might fit in here Oh. And now listen to you describe it. Like he can be <laughs> all over the field. Like it's we talk about positionless football. Like, yeah, you got to play a position, but being able to play in like a Jalen Ramsey type role, I, I could be interested in that here in Carolina. I do wonder how do you see a guy like Brian Burns fitting into this scheme? Because of course he's probably someone who's gonna get extended there this offseason. He's mm -hmm. obviously Carolina's best defensive player, and he has shined the last few years going to the Pro Bowl. How do you see Brian Burns potentially fitting into this scheme? Yeah, I think it's going to be really, really cool watching him and Derek Brown, the way that they can manipulate space. Because really this defense, and like I describe it as a living thing, um, you, it, you look at it like from an all-22 lens and you can see how it's built to manipulate space as well. And so when you have uh, someone who can occupy and quite literally just eat up space in Derek Brown, that frees up because they'll probably start playing more gap and a half and, and those types of things with the lighter boxes that they'll play in this, in this defense. And Derek Brown's perfect for that, which then has a ripple effect on what Brian Burns is going to be able to do again, because of the way that they're going to be manipulating space. So they will, I would assume because it's a Jiro and he does, he, you know, he puts his A plus players in A plus positions as the coaching cliche goes. And so what I would assume is they'll use him in a variety of different ways, rushing from either side of the line. And I think, you know, that speed combination that he has can be deadly. And this defense, the coverage concepts that are complicated on the backside, they function at their best when you can effectively rush for pass rushers um, and, and hassle the quarterback that way, not necessarily sending the blitzes, although those do work. And Najero picked his spots really well for those in Denver because of who his players were. Uh, but when you can effectively rush with four, um, that I think is something that you're going to start to see have a rush on the back half of this defense. And you'll really start to see that rush coverage complement lock in together. Brian Burns is a huge part of that. Um, the, the Rams never really had like a pure speed rusher, the way that he can speed rush. They had a speed power guy in, in Leonard Floyd. And then when they had Vaughn, Vaughn could bring out the speed moves, the ghost, all that kind of stuff. 
when it was the right time. He knew when to hit the gas. When you have a guy like Brian Burns who can do that relentlessly over and over and over again, they're probably put more of a power guy on the opposite side of him, wherever he's rushing from. And that's frustrating. That's really hard to deal with if you're, you know, (laughs) anyone else on the other side. And I think, I think that it's going to be really exciting because kind of like Jeremy Chin, they don't, this defense doesn't box players into one thing or another. If you are everything, uh, my, one of my favorite movies this year, if you are everything everywhere, all at once, they want you to be that player. So, and this defense gives you sort of the power to do that. Might be best picture, by the way, uh, that movie. I would love that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm and thinking about it. Like I have my off season checklist and one of the things that Panthers need to do is go out there and get someone opposite of Brian Burns and talk about getting a power rusher opposite of him is certainly what they're going to need to certainly maximize this defense, be able to get pressure with only four, which is something they uh, struggled to do this past season mm-hmm. um, here in Carolina, just after losing Hassan Reddick, who was awesome there in Philadelphia. <laughs> would have loved to have him here in Playing Carolina. Playing in a similar philosophy as this one is, by the way, uh, and that defense um, runs off similar foundational concepts and he really thrived in that. So I think, you know, you want to also find that sort of prototype of player um, opposite Brian Burns for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm excited to see what this defense can look like with Brian Burns in it. And you bring up Jeremy Chin as well, Derek Brown. And when JC Horn gets back healthy and ready to go now, we'll say on defense before we get over to Thomas Brown, Jonathan Cooley, He's going to come here to Carolina now to be the cornerbacks coach. He spent some time there uh, working with Pajero as well and also working under Sean McVay on the defensive side of the ball in um, Los Angeles. What can you tell me about him? Because we don't usually focus a lot of attention mm-hmm. on cornerback coaches. If anybody, if anything, everyone's kind of looking at D'Angelo Hall, who's now here as the assistant defensive backs coach, and he's never coached in the NFL. But Cooley has spent time in the NFL, but I think he spent a lot more time in college, correct? Um, about the same at this point. He played, okay. he played in college, but um, about the same. And it's it's also real a really interesting hire. Um, so a lot of the, um, I get I hate to use this word, but like I guess a lot of the disciples of this defense, they're out. They come out of Ohio, <laughs> and John Carroll was was one of the places that was first running this system, sort of molded and melded with uh, Nick Saban's Cover Six, um, and a lot of those coaches, including Brandon Staley, came out of coordinating that defense and then applied those principles into what's now being run dominantly in the NFL. And uh, uh, Pooley is a John Carroll guy. And so he was, he's that sort of the, the, the Panthers hiring him has sort of opened that pipeline for them, which is something the Rams did a couple of years ago. And so I think that's really, really interesting. First of all, about what they're doing with that hire And second of all, um, it's a shared language. The language of this defense is complicated and it's going to be hard at first. Um, Like this defense always gets better. The first year it's installed, it always gets better the later in the year because players start to really buy in. They start to really understand. They start to really like feel that transfer of energy go back and forth um, in terms of what the ethos of it is. And when you are bringing in people to teach it, you look at a guy like Jonathan Cooley who has taught it at an NFL level. Um, Brandon Staley brought him over specifically to help teach it to the defense um, when Sean McVay first hired uh, Brandon as his coordinator. And so I think that's interesting too. Um, You know, Jonathan's really highly regarded. Um, It was really surprising to a lot of the players in the locker room here when he was let go um, because he is really, really well respected by, by the players. And he's someone who it's, it's always a two-way communication. One of yeah. the things that I think is, is really interesting about him as a coach and Ajero is like this too, as well as Thomas is there's sort of this philosophy and ethos of 
meeting players where they're at, not trying to force them to be in a space that they're not comfortable in. So if that means you change your teaching style, that's on you. That's not on the player. So I think that that's something that's really, really interesting. It certainly didn't sound like that was the case in Carolina in the previous regime. And I think that it's a really, really important sort of undercurrent of what this philosophical shift is going to be moving forward. I'm curious, looking at it, and I, I kind of look down the, down the road, and we see that Ajiro interviewed for all five openings this past year. We talk about how bright he is, and that he's probably next in line to get a head coaching job. Now, we've also seen the difficulties defensive player, uh, defensive coordinators getting jobs, and also defensive coordinators have to be black men getting jobs in the NFL. But eventually it feels like if this defense is tremendous again this year under his tutelage and they get better throughout the season, that he's going to be interviewing for jobs again next season, and who knows, maybe gets a job. Do you see a guy like Jonathan Cooley potentially being a defensive coordinator down the road? Because I'm already looking at the staff and trying to figure out who could be the next guy in line, just believing that Ajiro's probably not here for long in Carolina. Yeah, Ajiro's a head coach. I mean, he's going to be a head yeah. coach, and there's going to be a lot of crap that he has to wade through um, you know, outside of his control in order to get there, as we see every single year. But um, he is a head coach, and so – that's something where the Panthers absolutely, and this is another smart thing that Frank Wright did, was he also built in people on that staff who could maybe coordinate this defense moving forward and are going to also be developing while they're coaching. Jonathan Cooley is, is definitely one of those people. Um, I do think he's on track to be a defensive coordinator at some point. Sometimes we forget because he's taught the system so many times. I forget sometimes that he's only in his like early thirties. And so I'm like, wow, I've accomplished nothing, but also, <laughs> um, you know, you think about this as a pipeline, you don't just now, you don't start yeah. just thinking about it as, okay, it, this is something that's so different. You don't think about it as, okay, we've picked up this house with all of its furniture in it, a la Baylor and set it down here. And it's its own insulated thing. Instead, what, the Panthers have done, I keep almost saying Rams, what the Panthers have done with this hiring, and this is an example of it, is they've started to open pipelines within the yeah. staff that they have now. That's a really smart way to assemble a staff, not just for the short term, but also for the long term. Yeah, and it's smart, too, because I talked to uh, Stephen Holder, who covers the, the Colts for ESPN.com. I'm sure you, Stephen, have uh, crossed paths yeah. at some point in time. And he was talking about how one of the things that really hurt Frank Reich in Indianapolis was seeing a lot of his staffers leave to follow Nick Sirianni to the Eagles and how that really hurt him in trying to develop and bring new guys along when those guys go for better opportunities elsewhere. And he also credited Frank for allowing those men do take other jobs and then higher positions with other organizations like then Philadelphia under Sirianni. And now when I look at with Carolina, you bring up a great point where it's not just um, Jonathan Cooley, but I think it's also a Pierre Hansen who spent time in his defense. Now he was with them as last year in Denver. I want to say Burt Watts as well. Who's coming yeah. here to Carolina mm -hmm. to work with the safeties. So you have multiple, like that's three guys right there who already have experience in this defense that potentially could be options down the road. And then offensively, Parks Frazier, who called plays last year under interim head coach Jeff Saturday in Indianapolis. Him and Frank are tight. He's now back here in Carolina. His wife is Caroline um, Can, formerly, but Caroline Frazier. She used to be the Panthers reporter, Tristan Balboni's job, before moving back up to Indianapolis to be with him before they got married, which Frank Reich officiated their wedding. And he's someone I look at as potentially could be the OC here in Carolina, or it could be a Josh McCown, who's never called plays. And I think it might be kind of a stretch for him. <laughs> but maybe he gets an opportunity at some point in time. But let's stay there on the offensive side of the ball. Thomas Brown. I texted you on Friday, and I was like, I have not thought about Thomas Brown 
since like 2007 <laughs> when he was playing running back at the University of Georgia. And things have changed at UGA since he's come and gone. And I had no idea that he was even in the NFL as a coach. I know he spent some time back at Georgia as the running back coach. He was at South Carolina briefly. Had no idea that he had been right there on Sean McVay's staff for the last three years. Now, here he is in Carolina as the OC. I don't know whether he's going to call plays or not. But a great opportunity for him, especially when you look at the pipeline and having an African-American coach in that situation where very oftentimes in the NFL, not too many of them are play callers on the offensive side of the ball. Who is Thomas Brown now as an NFL coach and what are the Panthers getting out of him potentially as an OC? Yeah, it's funny that you say, um, you know, quietly was on Sean McVay's staff because that's true. Like if there's it's a not so wild theory like theory based in fact as we like to do uh as reporters that like Sean McVay really worked overtime to keep this guy a secret like (laughs) he really (laughs) because in part because of how great of a teacher he is um he is regarded by Sean as one of the best teachers that he's ever worked with and he's somebody who like like the other two guys that we talked about with the Rams connections um he meets players where they are because he it doesn't matter who it is quarterback, running back, offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball. People like being taught and coached by him. They're going to get coached hard. He is a no-nonsense guy. Um, he is uh, unethwithable, as we say out here, like uh, about him, as we've said for years, because he's just he's going to coach these players hard, but he's going to do it in such an authentic way where he reaches everybody. And Matthew Stafford, who played with him at Georgia, actually, Um, says, has said all the time, like, you know, immediately when you meet him and you can't fool a locker room and everyone knows exactly who Thomas Brown is the second you meet him as a coach. And I think what's really interesting is one thing that he didn't get much of much as much of an opportunity here in terms of what the public saw, um, out of the Sean McVay system and whatever, um, he didn't, people didn't really know behind the scenes, just how creatively he thinks about the game of football. And it's, it's in a way that's very um, progressive in my mind, because it's similar to the defense, actually. It's funny because we're talking about these cool philosophies, but it, it doesn't have to be one thing or another. It has to be right for whatever the situation is calling. And Thomas and I've talked all the time about how, you know, sometimes play callers, they get so in their heads about, okay, I have to call this play because this is the right play. We worked on this this week and I have to call this because this is the, this is right. This is, these are the steps that, you know, the people before me have followed or the people across the league are doing. And I have to follow those same steps that everyone else is doing in this situation when it might not be the best solution to the issue. And something that's really cool about Thomas is he's such a problem solver and he faces everything just head on. And I wrote a feature about him last summer where I was like, man, so you basically, you problem solve exactly how you played as a running back. Like you initiate contact, you are unafraid. And I think that that's something really cool when you're talking about all of these different cooks in the kitchen for this offense, there's going to be a lot of conversations, a lot of dialogue, a lot of melding of philosophies. And one thing that I think they'll really appreciate about, appreciate about Thomas is that he doesn't want it to just be his. He wants it to be right. He doesn't want it to just be, Thomas Brown's offense for the sake of being called Thomas Brown's offense. He wants it to, to kick butt. Like he wants it to be functioning at its best self. And if that also means collaborating and, and being fluid with different ideas and philosophies and strategies, 
that's what it, that's what he'll be. And I think that that's really interesting um, because when you think about, you know, running backs in general, you think more traditional offense, but I don't, I don't believe he thinks that way at all. Um, He spent so much time in Sean McVay's pass first system. And and Sean McVay will talk all the time about wanting to marry the run with the pass. That's not true. They, he wants to pass the ball. So (laughs) He, he wants to pass the ball and he wants trick shots downfield and he wants all of it. So it, it's kind of like Thomas is, is more of like a yes, statistically and analytically speaking, passing is a more efficient play. It is a better EPA per play, but at the same time, does this defense we're playing against, would it in the long run drive them crazier or make them weaker if we're running the ball against them? Let's think about that. Let's think about it in that framing instead of here's what I want to do. It's about, um, and I'm paraphrasing slightly. It's, it's a great quote um, that he gave me at the time where it's like, he, he's like, I don't care if it takes me one play to kill your defense or 10 plays to kill your defense. The point is to kill your defense. And so I think that that's very indicative uh, of his personality in general, yeah. because he will do whatever it takes uh, to, to get that done. Well, that just sounds like a running back mentality. Right. Uh, when you're talking about that, trying to kill the defense and whether it doesn't make more sense to, you know, just pound them on the ground game or keep running the pass play. I just think about Marshawn Lynch, just talk about hitting him in the face over and over and over again. And so you just get so sick and tired of it. Now, I do imagine this team is going to have to run the football. And they're going to run the football because Frank Reich, when he was asked for his introductory press conference, what went wrong in Indianapolis, you would probably think the retirement of Andrew Luck. He said, nah. We couldn't run the ball anymore, and that kind of hurt us. Now, obviously, the quarterback carousel had to be the main thing that led him to not be there in Indianapolis anymore, and I don't know how much of that really is his fault at all, but they're going to want to run the football, and having now a former running back as the OC and having that Sean McVay and Shanahan concepts coming here, you talk about kind of marrying these philosophies. I'm interested. Is there similarities with the McVay-Shanahan scheme to what Wright kind of ran in Indianapolis, the Colts that we might see here in Carolina now as those two kind of get married together here in Carolina? I think it means it'll be more multiple because sometimes okay. you could see, and, and I don't think Shanahan runs, has his run, runs his run game um, like how I'm about to describe, but you could definitely see that at times, um, especially last year when Thomas was moved into the tight ends coach role and his hands were off the run game, that um, it, it got very one-dimensional at times. And so I think that, in the way that the league is moving, and again, in part because of the way that the defenses that we just talked about are playing team yeah. now and playing offenses now, um, having as much multiplicity in your run game as possible is is going to be important. So I do think you'll see some outside zone. I do think you'll see like duo. I do think you'll see gap power. Like I think you'll see all of it because if they have the players to do it, they, this is a group and, and Thomas, I think, is at the forefront of thinkers in this way. It's a group where if they have the players to do it, it's going to be on the coaches to teach it and to get it done. And so that's where the responsibility shifts back onto the coach, because I do think that they believe they have the players to get a very multiple run game going. And one of the things I do think he will bring directly from the Shanahan specifically system is that idea of uh, going ball control and like slowly torturing an, <laughs> an opposing yes. defense, just like piece by piece by piece. It is the number one and probably most important reason why the 49ers have had the Rams number for the last couple of years is because they can out torture them. 
And I think that <laughs> that's something that you're going to see. And they do it with a variety of, of different run concepts. And so I think that that's going to be one of the things that you see um, as a stamp of a Thomas Brown offense is you're going to see some cool stuff in the passing game. I think that's going to be a collaborative thing. And, and I'm, I'm excited to see how he develops a quarterback too, because um, he's got some great ideas about that as well. But in terms of like how just like the ethos that the group takes on the personality that it takes on, I think you're going to see some of that Shanahan stuff in there too. I love it. I'm excited to see what he can do. Excited about all three of these guys coming to Carolina. I was kind of joking before I brought you on here. It kind of feels like the Panthers are a little bit of uh, Rams East now. You already have Johnny Hecker <laughs> here as a punter. Got Austin Corbett here as a right guard. Now you have uh, three right minds at, as coaches, and two of them are your coordinators here in Carolina. So excited to see what uh, Giro Vero can do here. Also what um, Thomas Brown can do, and of course what Jonathan Cooley can do here on Frank Reich's coaching staff in 2023, and hopefully longer for some of those guys. <laughs> As, as you mentioned, Vero, he, he's a, he's a head coach, so we'll see how long he actually is here. Thomas in is Carolina. too, so that's he's got to, well, yeah. Thomas two. is too, so he's got to find his replacement as well. I would imagine. Well, hopefully it's already <laughs> on the staff, but uh, if not, I'm pretty sure Frank Wright can go out there and find a replacement. But Jordan, excellent stuff. Really appreciate you taking the time to step back here on the Panthers beat, and I'm happy that there's been a little bit of crossover here the last couple of weeks where we've been able to interact here on the pod and on Twitter. And I'm happy that everyone out there can also get your insight because you obviously have such a great football mind. Follow her on Twitter, at Jordan Rodriguez. You already know that, I'm sure. Also check out all her work at The Athletic, especially um, you got to check out that piece she had on Thomas Brown, apparently, because a little feature last summer. I have to go find that, post it out on my social as well to this uh, podcast episode so y'all can check that out. But um, Jordan, thank you so much for your time, your insight, and just for being you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, wanted to also give a shout out to Panthers fans. You guys have been through it over the last couple of years. From my vantage point, I'm always sitting in the sunshine over here in California. But from my vantage point, sunny days are ahead for this group. And I'm excited to watch how it happens. So shout out to Panthers fans for sticking with staying the course. And uh, Julian, I know you've covered some crazy times over the last couple of years and yeah. you've done such a great job. So thanks for having me on today. Well, I appreciate that, Jordan. And yeah, sunny days are coming. It's actually going to be 80 like on Wednesday. Uh, but we're not giving a weather report out here anymore. But again, follow on Twitter at Jordan Rodrigue. Uh, we'll take a quick pause and wrap up the show here on Locked on Panthers. This episode of Locked on Panthers is brought to you by our new sports betting partner, FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drain. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss your chance. Get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more of FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NBA. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover limitations apply see terms at discover.com slash credit card 
Always great to catch up with Jordan Rodriguez, who covers the Los Angeles Rams for The Athletic. Now she did a great job covering the Carolina Panthers here for The Observer and then briefly with The Athletic before transitioning back out to the best coast in L.A. to cover the Rams. And, hey, things have been better for her because the Rams have been a winning football team, won a Super Bowl. Now, things weren't great this past year, but I got to imagine it's got to be pretty fun living out there in the California sunshine and covering Sean McVay, one of the young, bright NFL coaches out there right now. But now we have a couple of the guys who have been a part of that brain trust and Jero Vero, Jero Vero, I think I got that right, or E, as apparently we can call him. I want to get to know him. Don't know if I'm going to get to know the guy, but either way, I'm just going to start calling him E here on the show. And we all know who we're talking about. We're not talking about E from Entourage. We're talking about E, the new DC here in Carolina. Also going to talk about, you got Thomas Brown here. You got Jonathan Cooley. So excited to see what those guys can bring here to Carolina as it looks like the Panthers are going to have one of the most inventive defenses in the NFL. And that offense is going to marry some of those McVay, Shanahan concepts, whatever Frank Reich's got cooking up here in Carolina. I'm um, excited to see what this team's going to look like in 2023. And Jordan, man, she broke it all down right there for y'all. So again, that's why I bring people onto the show because I had no idea. What to tell you all about the scheme and the concepts that are coming here to Carolina and who these guys are. No clue. Again, have not thought about Thomas Brown since 2007 when he was playing with Matthew Stafford back down in Athens at UGA. But happy to have him here in Carolina. And hopefully uh, he goes out there and just puts together a top 10 offense, gets a head coaching job down the road. And that Frank Reich knows who the next man up here in Carolina to keep this thing rolling. But again, got to find that quarterback to help out this coaching staff and, of course, elevate this team and get us back to where we want to be here in Carolina. But that's going to wrap up this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, y'all, make sure to watch the show, subscribe to the show over on our Locked On Panthers YouTube channel. You can also check out the podcast free and available wherever you listen to all your favorite podcasts. Just be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where on Friday, I'll be back to answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions, either at me or DM me over on Twitter, at Julian Council. In the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole. As always, keep pounding. And I'll be back here on Wednesday, of course, talking Carolina Panthers. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 